0: It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN. Scott Foster in here with you on this Wednesday. Another hot and uh, just hot. You know, when you think of the wind, I, I think of a blast furnace. You know, that's kind of what we've been dealing with, although I think it would be pretty miserable without some breeze, but let's back it off a little bit, which we will, as uh, we will see temperatures change coming up here Uh tomorrow so that is certainly good news we always begin our midday uh talking about with a round table discussion about the things that we're going to be looking at uh in the next couple hours and uh, we will do that now starting off with susan littlefield we'll figure out what's going on in farm today
1: Well, thanks, Scott. Here's what's happening on the midday from the farm team. We're going to kick it all off at 1219 with Alex as we grow the flow in aquaponics. An interesting opportunity to learn more about an industry and a business just outside of Lincoln. Then at 1245, she will step right back in as we continue with our cruising with biofuels. This is part two with Greg Anderson. Greg serves as the at-large representative of the Nebraska Soybean Board. He shares about the economic impact that biodiesel has on the state's soybean producers. Then Clay will step in at 117 with Part 2 with Chris Swift of Swift Trading looking at the current cattle market. And he'll look at how grass cattle and drought conditions may impact the future marketings. That's happening on a midday on a Wednesday from the farm team.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Susan. I appreciate it. Uh, I will be stepping in to do sports coming up at 1225. Some of the things that we're going to be looking at there. A couple Nebraska greats are among 78 players from uh, FBS Football and the NCAA that have are going to be finalists for the College Football Hall of Fame. Of course, Eric Crouch just went in there this last time, but upcoming a uh, couple more. Zach Wieger, to you may remember, Outland Trophy winner, part of the pipeline. Uh, he is up for it, and uh, boy, that was a great offensive line. And then... Larry Jacobson, who on the other side of the football in the 70-71 national championship teams, he was such such an enforcer on that defensive line. Bob Devaney's defensive lines in 70 and 71, so we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll also hear from Scott Frost and uh, talking about how they're trying to approach things during this whole pandemic and certainly uh, lots of question marks Coming up on all of that, it is it is a tough time for all of not just college sports, but NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball, which is no closer to playing than they were yesterday. So let's turn it over to Bob Brogan. He's got uh, business for us. Stocks down just a little bit on the Dow. Otherwise, they're upward, in the, up in the NASDAQ and S&P.
2: Kind of down, kind of mixed. Uh, taking a pause after yesterday's... Uh rally. The major indexes are a little changed. The S&P 500 has climbed back within 8% of its record set in February after earlier, earlier being down nearly 34%, as recent reports have raised hopes that the economy can pull out of its recession relatively quickly. Meanwhile, home construction rebounding 4.3% in May after steep declines caused by shutdowns due to the coronavirus. Netflix CEO Reed Hastings and his wife, Patty Quillen are donating $120 million towards student scholarships at historically black colleges and universities. That's kind of a, a nice touch there.
3: And those are some of the stories we're watching.
0: Alright, that's all coming up on mid but.
3: KRVN, the river, and Cami will be blazing new trails to Carney this Friday afternoon. Join us as we celebrate the Kearney High and Carney Catholic Seniors last drive. The drive begins at 3 PM at the Viero Center and ends at the Hilltop Mall. That's where you will find the twenty twenty Chevy Blazer. Will be set up in the Hilltop Mall parking lot along 2nd Avenue from 230 to 430. Make sure you stop by and register. Sponsors include CMH Interiors, Clad Valley Roofing, and Midlands Contracting. All of Carney.
0: Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in here as we take a look at the numbers right now, Paul, and you. You mentioned it's starting to get a little sticky out there.
4: Yeah, those two points already starting to get into the low and mid-60s. Anytime it starts approaching 65, that stickiness factor starts to show up out there. And and with those temperatures right now, mainly in the low and mid-80s, it's starting to feel like it's in the upper 80s to around 90, especially in central east areas of Nebraska and Kansas. That humidity not as prevalent as you go to the southwest part of Nebraska, northwest Kansas, and northeast Colorado. And temperatures there more so mid-80s to around 90, already 90 in Ray, Colorado, that drier air in northeast Colorado warms up a lot quicker that way.
0: Yeah, look at Hunt and Lamar. They're 93 down there. So, yeah, it's it's definitely warm out there for sure. Now, we... It looks like we'll get a little bit of relief coming up, though.
4: Exactly. And temperatures right now in the 70s in much of the Nebraska panhandle. Uh, In advance of a cold front today, though, we will be see the last of a string of days of heat and wind underneath this dome of high pressure. Highs today may be a bit warmer than yesterday ahead of this front on into the mid to upper 90s. That cold front will start to enter north and west areas of Nebraska late tonight few of those thunderstorms thunderstorms may be triggered along that front late tonight into tomorrow. Now storms more likely in the east tomorrow afternoon when that front arrives during the peak heating of the day. A better chance of thunderstorms and appreciable rain in central and western areas looks to be Friday night into Saturday with some low pressure swinging through the plains at that time. A few of those storms could be severe. Off and on thunderstorms do remain possible Sunday through Tuesday. And across the region with some weak disturbances tracking to the southeast, but probably nothing that will produce a whole lot of rain. Temperatures will cool to seasonal levels for tomorrow through Saturday. Then that warming trend to slightly above normal temperatures gets underway by Father's Day on Sunday. In the long term forecast, building heat from the west will result in above normal temperatures for Nebraska, Kansas, and the western, two-thirds of the west, Monday through the end of the month. Rainfall for Nebraska and Kansas, Monday through June 30th, mainly near normal. Better chances of any rain, though, look to be early next week. Key weather factors driving market trade include temperatures warming, along with some rain chances in the in the Midwest, and favorable wheat harvest next week for the Southern Plains. A slow-moving cold front will move east across the Plains and Midwest, and be preceded by some thunderstorms. Topsoil moisture in the Corn Belt continues to diminish with the heat and wind, and producers are watching for some signs of stress in the Midwest. For the time being, the current heat and incoming showers for tomorrow into next week should keep the Midwest growing conditions favorable. In the southern plains, the hot, windy and dry weather is favorable for the wheat harvest, but limiting the corn growth, scattered rain returns for tomorrow through Sunday with some drier conditions also returning next week. The delta is drier since the remnants of Cristobal left early last week. Soil moisture... Currently adequate to surplus, only limited rain those forecast this next week and drier soils may stress the soybeans now in the vegetative state. The next chance for any significant rain in the Delta does not come until the early to mid part of next week.
0: All right, very good. When we're talking about with the obviously, when you it's been so warm and you get a cold front coming in, we talk a little bit about some severe stuff, but it looks like most of that's going to be to the east, most likely.
4: Yeah, as we head towards tomorrow, you know, we may see a a bit of a risk of some severe thunderstorms in north central Nebraska. It looks like Valentine currently Mm. in a slight risk of severe storms, but just kind of a more of a minor to moderate risk across, or more of a minor to marginal risk of severe storms across the rest of the area if we see some thunderstorms tonight.
0: Okay. Very good. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather?
4: Weather dot krvn.com. Our District.
5: As the need for agriculture continues to rise and demand for locally grown food surges, growers near urban areas are finding new ways to produce food. One of those ways is aquaponics. Jeff Juravec is the owner of Grow with the Flow near Denton, Nebraska, just west of Lincoln.
1: So Grow with the Flow, we're an 11 acre aquaponic farm where we raise fish and plants together in a symbiotic system where we use fish waste as fertilizer to fertilize and irrigate our plants. Our plants act as a filter, cleaning and removing that waste nutrient from the water for the fish and together they help each other grow.
5: Grow with the Flow is an operation that Jeff started from the ground up.
1: So years ago uh, after I graduated college, I had a friend who introduced me to aquaponics I thought it was really cool. So I built a small system in my backyard. I did that for several years and uh, I was giving away a lot of produce and stuff to my neighbors. When I got to a point where I kind of realized like, you know, hey, this is a scalable business. So about 7 years ago, we started grow with the flow out here um, on this 11-acre uh, farm um, where you know, since then we've put up multiple greenhouses, constructed a few systems and got started.
5: From his experience, he's learned about the benefits of aquaponics farming.
1: So aquaponics uses about 15% of land and 5% of the water of traditional agriculture uh, mostly because we're, uh, we're able to grow things vertically uh, to save space and as well we're uh, cycle, recycling the water through the system so we don't have problems of runoff uh, or, or runoff coming in or out of the system um, and because it's constantly cycling through that system we're not having to add a lot of extra um, Uh, water to the system that you know would otherwise be lost in evaporation or runoff in a field.
5: And in addition to growing fresh produce, Grow with the Flow raises flowers.
1: So we do produce cut flowers and live plants. Uh, As far as the cut flowers, uh, we grow a variety of different seasonal blooms, uh, some that we produce year-round. And what we do is we wholesale and retail uh, those products. Uh, We have our own uh, in-house floral design team that allows us to do gift arrangements, weddings, events, things like that and so um, we've been able to take what would be a value-added product and uh, add more to it other than just its wholesale value.
5: And typically during this time of year Grow With The Flow is busy preparing for spring and summer weddings but this year has been different.
1: So it's definitely thrown a wrench in uh, in our system a little bit. Um, You know our farmers markets have gotten delayed early on Which, uh, typically is where we sell a lot of our live plants. Um, we also do weddings and events. And a lot of those weddings have been postponed to later in the year. They've had to reduce the uh, number of things that they're getting because they're having less guests. Um, and it's, you know, been something we just kind of rolled with, uh, you know, all year here.
5: And although they've faced unique challenges
1: this year, the people at Grow With The Flow are excited to take on new hurdles every year. Farming no matter what kind of farming you do it's always one challenge after another and uh, one solution to a problem after another and um, You know, I kind of enjoy um, Making things work a little bit better every time and so uh, each year we try to improve a little bit And I always say that you know whether you're farming or gardening you you really you learn something new every year and it's that uh, accumulation of knowledge over time that helps you be successful. You can learn more about Grow With The Flow and aquaponics by following them on social media. Customers can find us at the Farmer's Markets in Lincoln on Saturdays and Sundays, but you could also visit our website where we have an online store where you can order arrangements and other products, as well as keep up to date on the uh, new changes and uh, news uh, associated with our farm.
5: Reporting from Denton, Nebraska, for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Alex Wojcicki.
6: Time for midday sports, and well, guess who's back? Scott hey. Foster is back in again.
0: It looks different on this side of the table. I haven't been over here for a little while, so well, you haven't. I guess It's <clears throat> probably true. No, no.
6: Well, welcome back, mm-hmm. filling mm-hmm. it for Jason. who has some well-deserved time off in the next couple of days, and well, we're talking Huskers here in the middle of June, and you know, all things considered, with COVID nineteen and you know, not knowing what the future is going to look like for college sports. Because it's kind of a
0: a nice thing to be talking Husker football. Something different. Let's hope we can still be talking Husker football in August and September Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But uh, they are getting things a little bit underway. It has been an off-season like no other for college football programs. The threat of the coronavirus continues to dominate every aspect of how things are done. Nebraska head coach Scott Frost says Huskers are trying to approach things the right way.
7: Our kids are not scared of this. And I know there's a lot of people that are, and rightfully so. But, uh, you know, our kids just want to be out lifting and running and, and get ready for a football season. And I think some of the directive on how we handle those situations is, is going to be important as we get into season. Uh, but I know our kids want to play.
0: Nebraska has been able to hold voluntary workouts since the 1st of June. Many schools across the country, due to directed health measures, have been able to get back together and begin voluntary workouts at this point in the summer. Well, a pair of Nebraska football greats are among 78 players from the football bowl subdivision announced as finalists Tuesday for the College Football Hall of Fame. Outland Trophy winners Zach Wiegert and Larry Jacobson will represent Nebraska on the 2021 ballot. Wiegert is among is making his sixth appearance on the ballot, while Jacobson is a finalist for the third time. Wigert was a 1994 unanimous first-team All-American and is one of the eight Huskers to win the Outland Trophy. A native of Fremont, Wigert helped to lead the Huskers to a 1994 national championship after NU played in the 1993 title game. He was part of the offensive line known as the Pipeline that in 1994 did not get called for a single holding penalty. Can you believe that? No. No, that's for anyone to not get a single holding penalty. That's impressive. Not a single player. Wow, they were really good. Now, Jacobson certainly was no slouch either. He was a stalwart on the Nebraska first national championship teams in 70 and 71. A consensus first team All-American in 1971. Jacobson won the Outland Trophy as a senior as he tallied 73 tackles from the defensive line, including 12 tackles for loss to become the program's first major award winner. During his three seasons in Nebraska, the Sioux Falls, South Dakota product led the Huskers to a thirty-two, thirty-three, two and one mark with two national titles and three conference crowns. His number seventy-five jersey was retired in ninety-four.
6: Now, I do have a question: with the College Football Hall of Fame and the ballot, is there a certain amount of time that you can be on the ballot, or is it? Does you, well, you never expire. You don't like baseball, football, uh, for majors. Mm-hmm. That you, I think like five years from yeah. Major League Baseball, or something right. like that. And if you're not on, if you're not voted in by then, you're off. You'll right. never, never get a chance. Is that, do you I don't know? believe
0: that's true with college football. Okay. I think they can keep bringing you in. And, of course, Eric Crouch was named to the Hall of Fame this year. Sure, So that's Husker's right. already that's on right. there. Speaking of Hall of Fames, longtime favorite Dale Earnhardt Jr. will join his late father in NASCAR's Hall of Fame next year. The feature attraction in the class of 2021. Junior won 26 races during his cup career, including two Daytona 500s and the 2001 Pepsi 400, four months after his father's death at the same track in February. That was an emotional day. The late Mike Stefanik also was elected along with Red Farmer from the pilot, the pioneer ballot. Ralph Seagraves uh, was chosen in the Landmark Award winner for Outstanding Contributions to the Sport. University of Nebraska Kearney head men's basketball coach Kevin Lofton announced today that the Australian Patrick Fraser has signed on with the Lopers, the 6'5", 190-pound wing with four years of eligibility remaining. Frazier is UNK's fourth recruit today. Frazier Prepped at Sydney Church of England's Grammar School, known as Shore School. That's a log yes. <laughs> the fighting <laughs> fighting alphabets, something like that, uh, in New South Wales. This past year, he came in at 18.9 points, 8.4 rebounds, and 4.1 assists hmm. per game. So, pretty good pickup there for the Lopers.
6: Welcome to UNK. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I know you I talked about this earlier, but mm-hmm. today uh, remains one of the most eventful day in sports. Okay. June 17th. Uh-huh 1994 Some things that happened that day Arnold Palmer played in his final U.S. Open Wow uh, U.S. hosted its first World Cup Ken Griffey Jr. tied most homers before June 30th uh, The Rangers uh, in the NHL uh, celebrated their Stanley Cup with the parade and Then Game 5 of the 1994 NBA Finals But remember, during the NBA Finals they broke in Because O.J. O. Right. Simpson's police chase was happening So just
0: a couple of notable things. This is a 30 on 30 day, isn't it? They did a 30 on 30 about this day. Because so many big events happened
6: in the world of sports. The White Bronco. Yep. So remember, they were breaking in while the NBA Finals was going on to talk about the chase, O.J. Simpson. So eventful day day for sure. Wow. No doubt. So there you go. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. This is Greg Sharp coming up tonight on Sports Nightly, another edition of Husker Huddle. Jeremiah Searles will sit down with Blake Lawrence, who's right in the heart of all this name-image likeness uh, topic that's coming up around college sports, while that famous face-offs returns and all the day's headlines coming to you tonight here on Sports Nightly.
8: Listen to Sports Nightly on 880 KRVN, 106.9 FM Kearney and 98.5 FM Grand Island.
3: The Nebraska State Patrol says a traffic stop on Interstate 80 in south-central Nebraska turned up five pounds of cocaine in a suitcase. The patrol says in a news release that a trooper stopped a sport utility vehicle heading east on Monday afternoon on Interstate 80 near Lexington. During a search of the SUV, troopers found the cocaine hidden inside a backpack inside of a suitcase in the cargo area. The patrol says the SUV's driver, a 40-year-old woman from Buffalo, was arrested on suspicion of drug trafficking and taken to the Dawson County Jail. Heat-related illnesses become more common this time of year as the temperatures heat up. Dr. Nancy Fitch of MedExpress Urgent Care says the mildest form of heat illness consists of painful muscle cramps and spasms that occur during or after intense exercise and sweating in high heat. One step above that is heat exhaustion. And the next step higher is heat stroke.
9: Moving into the next stage, which is heat stroke, and that is a medical emergency. That is when patients become, their temperature will shoot up sometimes anywhere from 103 to 105, 106. Those people are getting, they're in trouble, and they could suffer some permanent neurological damage. But usually you will see very similar symptoms. A lot of times the skin is very hot, red, dry. Um, Their pulse is very fast, headache, dizziness, again the nausea, the vomiting, and the big thing is losing consciousness, passing out.
3: Dr. Fitch says a person suffering from heat stroke needs to be cooled down immediately. She says spray the patient with water and put a fan on them if you can't get them into air conditioning right away. Dr. Fitch also adds that the person needs to be transported to an emergency room as soon as possible. Phase three of Governor Ricketts directed health measures will begin on June 22nd and many businesses will begin their return to normalcy. Governor Ricketts stated that bars and restaurants will return to one hundred percent occupancy as well as gatherings for indoor venues not to exceed seventy five percent of their capacity. Ricketts also commented on salons, barbershops and other services.
1: Salons, barbershops, massage therapy services, tattoo parlors, body art limited to seventy five percent of the rated occupancy. Again, both workers and patrons will have to wear a mask while they are being served, with the exception of when there's work on their face being done. So, for example, your barber can give you a shave now.
3: These new directed health measures will go into effect for 89 of Nebraska's 93 counties, with the exceptions being Hall, Hamilton, Merrick, and Dakota counties. And state officials say another employee in Nebraska's prison system has tested positive for COVID-19, And health officials in eastern Nebraska say a second child in the Omaha area has been diagnosed with a rare and serious inflammatory condition that's linked to the coronavirus. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson.
5: It's time again for the latest edition of Cruisin' with Biofuels. I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network, and we're continuing our conversation from last week with Greg Anderson. He's a farmer from Newman Grove and a member of the Nebraska Soybean Board. Greg, last week we chatted about Nebraska's contribution to the biodiesel industry as a whole, and this week we're going to touch on some things that the Soybean Board is doing to really help soybean farmers and the industry uh, so, first of all, for those out there who are listening who would like to start using biodiesel, what are some important things to know?
7: Well, for one, that biodiesel is a proven uh, fuel that that has a huge track record, more uh, tested and more proven than any other fuel in the country. And so they can uh, fill their tanks uh, using a biodiesel blend with confidence, knowing that uh, this has come from a BQ9000 quality assurance program Uh, The biodiesel today is not the biodiesel of uh, twenty or thirty years ago, it is uh, the proven winner to uh, enhance uh, your your engine performance, to provide you a good fuel economy, as well as using our own uh, feedstock, primarily soybean oil, as well as the uh, animal fats. Uh, This is uh, important for farmers to to realize that uh, we need to use our own product. and uh, we know that uh, as we use biodiesel, there's no uh, transition uh, steps to use. You, you pour it in your tank. there's no uh, uh, things to change or swap out or to, to uh, realize we can it's an easy transition. You just uh, fill it like you would with your petroleum diesel. So uh, I uh, use biodiesel whenever I can, and I've uh, had uh, some good success in, in locating it in my locale here. I like to use a blend of uh, between five and ten percent, but I know farmers are using it higher blends, and it certainly engine manufacturers are are uh, supporting B twenty at most of the, all of the engines. So that uh, is very important. We can use it with confidence, knowing that it will perform for us.
5: And Greg, we were kind of talking before we got recording that it's it's a tough time for soybean farmers right now, but. There has been a study that was done about the short-term impacts, the economic impacts. Can you talk about that study and what you guys found?
7: Well, absolutely, and it is a tough go for soybean producers right now, uh, the commodity prices and so forth. However, a short-term biodiesel impact study that was recently done shows that the impact of biodiesel demand to the price of soybeans today is an increase in cash price by around 13%. And if you look at about an 8 fifty ca- per bushel cash cash price, and that varies uh, here throughout this spring and summer, but uh, that adds about a dollar ten per bushel a dollar and ten cents per bushel. So just think if we didn't have biodiesel subtract a dollar ten from our cash price that we get at the elevator we 'd really be uh, noticing that so the impact of biodiesel um, demand. For soybean oil is very, very important. It adds about forty dollars per acre to every soybean's farmer's uh, farm, and so you just think about the economic impact that forty, forty to forty-five, fifty dollars an acre uh, you you benefit from, uh, attributed to biodiesel, really makes a difference to our bottom line.
5: And in addition to the short-term impacts that we're talking about, you guys also launched Vision 2020 that's explaining some long-term plans and goals. What are those?
7: Yes, Alex. So we look 10 years out. What will the biodiesel world look like? And our vision is that biodiesel, renewable diesel, and renewable jet fuel will be recognized as a mainstream low-carbon fuel option, and it always provides superior performance, emission characteristics, and so forth. So we're looking at Uh, about 6 billion gallons of biodiesel, renewable diesel, expected to require about 18 billion pounds of soybean oil. That's over double what we're doing now in both production of the fuel as well as the feedstock required. So that is a very, very aggressive goal, but yet I think it's going to be reached before 10 years. And what that will do is show that we're going to have even more demand for our soybean oil animal fats, and other feedstocks that uh, make up biodiesel. So this is a good good positive thing for the, f- the future. Uh, the biodiesel industry is growing like no other uh, alternative fuel is, and we're excited about the benefits that it provides agriculture, both uh, to Nebraska as well as across the country.
5: And I will ask one more thing. Um, what else should be on our radar with the Nebraska Soybean Board in the coming months?
7: Looking at the Nebraska Soybean Board, uh, we're going to have a mid-summer uh, meeting here shortly. We're going to be talking about some research projects. We also want to know the fact that uh, we'll be looking at some uh, strategic planning. Always, uh, every meeting, we look back at our goals and mission statement, make sure that the projects that we select provide the best benefit and most, most uh, return on investment for soybeans farmers' uh, precious uh, checkoff dollars. It's something that we take very, very seriously. And so uh, the Soybean Checkoff is working 24-7 to enhance profitability to in areas of uh, research. Uh, international marketing is a very important sector, knowing that uh, we want to export uh, soybeans and soybean meal, uh, soybean oil used domestically here for biodiesel, a host of dozens of projects uh, that the Soybean Board uh, directors are constantly uh, looking at, uh, critiquing evaluating and then putting into place our staff is committed to uh, carrying those projects out with our contractors and uh, the soybean checkoff has, has really been a benefit uh, to all soybean producers here in Nebraska.
5: Great information thanks so much Greg.
7: Thank you Alex.
5: That again is Greg Anderson he's a farmer from Newman Grove and a member of the Nebraska Soybean Board as that has been another edition of Cruising with Biofuels broadcasting from the nebraska soybean board news desk which is brought to you in part by nebraska soybean farmers and their checkoff you're listening to the rural radio network
6: Euro. time for the midday business report very own bob brogan is stepping in and bob what does the business world look like today
2: well stocks have been mixed in uh, at least in the early trading uh taking a pause after yesterday's rally the major indexes are little changed the s&p 500 is clam- climbed back within eight percent of its record set in february after earlier being down nearly thirty four percent as recent reports have raised hopes that the economy can pull out of its recession relatively quickly mm. at last check the dow industrials were up just oh about fifty five points or so and uh, the nasdaq and the s&p also up some home construction uh, rebounding about 4.3% in May after steep declines caused by shutdowns due to the virus. The Commerce Department saying new homes were started at a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 974,000 last month after steep declines in April and March. Home builders are hoping that as the nation reopens housing will post a strong recovery helped by super low mortgage rates and uh, so the uh, Hope Springs Eternal on that. Uh, But some analysts caution that the fledgling rebound could be derailed of cases of the coronavirus spike again. Netflix CEO Reed Hastings and his wife, Patty Quillen, are donating one hundred and twenty million dollars toward student scholarships at historically black colleges and universities. The couple is giving forty million dollars to each of three institutions. The United Negro College Fund Spelman College and Morehouse College, the organization said, it's the largest individual gift in support of student scholarships Mm. at HBCUs. Quaker Oats is retiring the 131-year-old Aunt Jemima brand, saying the company recognizes the character's origins are based on a racial stereotype. Quaker saying its overhauled pancake mix and syrup will hit shelves by the fourth quarter of 2020. The company will announce the new name, At a later date. That's a check of the business news. I'm Bob Brogan. Thank you very much, Bob.
8: Welcome back to the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Thanks for tuning back in to hear more of my conversation with Chris Swift of Swift Trading based in Nashville, Tennessee. We started yesterday in the cattle market focusing more on the supply chain disruptions and just how far backed up fed cattle supplies were. Today though I want to start with grass cattle. This spring the hottest class of cattle coming through the sale barns were those lightweight calves that could go back to grass, but as the spring went on reports of heavier cattle returning to grass were pretty common as well. Chris, after talking with your ranching clients around Around the country what are your thoughts on how long we can delay the marketing of these cattle that are on grass and do we have enough grass to continue with this strategy if the hot and dry conditions continue across much of the country
10: I think every rancher out there is going to try and do everything they can to stay in business I looked at probably less than three weeks ago and seeing a a real financial need to liquidate and no market to liquidate into now you fast forward today and a lot of the reparation checks have been given out to the farmers so they've got a little bit of influx in capital now they can hold on for the next two to three months so that 750 pound steer that would have been right to go on feed he's going to be 900 and fit 900 pounds by the time we get to august and he may or may not be as desirable to go on feed but the amount of time the amount of financial wherewithal that goes into to that animal will clearly make it less profitable or he'll have to have a much larger price for it in order to increase that profit margin. The drought we look at every day. We watch the Palmer uh, Drought Index every day to see how it is encroaching and we know that it is already impacting Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, Utah, and to some great extent now Colorado. So as you move east of uh, the Rockies there in Colorado, that drought has moved all the way into central Kansas, into the Oklahoma and North North Texas panhandles there, that they need that grass out there for at least another 60 days. And, and although a lot of it begins to turn by mid-July anyway, and we begin some supplemental feeding, the, the more drought that we have, the more increase in supplemental feeding, and, of course, that just increases the uh, cost of that product. We've had
8: two black swan events since late 2019 that have really just rocked this cattle market in a lot of directions. So if a producer hasn't considered risk management or maybe just limited risk management up to this point, where are the basis points? What do they need to be considering right now going into just here a week before the official start of summer?
10: Uh, you got to educate yourself. Education is the biggest lack of everything that we have in this entire society. And the one thing that I have seen, I've got 32 years in this business, and still I find older individuals, younger individuals, that do not have any education on price risk management. They have been brought up on the production side of it, where we know what the feed costs are and we know what the cost of gains are and how to produce a healthy, fine animal. But when it comes to marketing, we've done no, no study. We have no education on that. So the very first thing I do is get educated about it. You don't have to contact a broker that may or may not try to sell you something or put you into uh, contracts that you don't need. There's all kinds of good books out there that you can read to just educate yourself on how futures and options work and then decide for yourself whether or not that you can apply those factors of the futures and options to help you mitigate some of that risk. And and it's nothing easy. Let me tell you, 32 years of doing this it is still as difficult today as it ever has been but i do believe that there are instances out there where we can all use that price management and use it in manners that do benefit our our operations that again chris swift of swift trading based in
8: nashville tennessee you're listening to the rural radio network KRV in the River and Cami is blazing new
0: trails to Gothenburg. Look for us at the Sun Theater, park it, and watch a drive-in movie this Friday night. They're showing Disney Pixar's Onward. The movie starts at 9.30 in the parking lot at Curb Tender. The 2020 Blazer will be there from 8 to 10, so you can put your name in a hat for a chance to win. We might even give you a new hat. Sponsors include Pony Express Chevrolet and Buick, First State Bank, and Electric Raid, all of Gothenburg.
8: Play Patton on the World Radio Network. Let's talk now with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. As the settlements come in, John mixed on the day wheat again, lower corn on both sides of unchanged. Soybeans, though, really having a decent day here this afternoon. Is this a technical-driven rally, or what are some of the fundamentals behind this?
9: No, I don't think so. We had China to buy, uh, I think they were sniffing around for some October delivery. So the demand for China, for beans out of China has been incredible, not just it just hasn't been u.s. product i think for the third straight month now they're looking to, and we'll probably set a record compared to the last two but it will be well above a year ago um... in buying brazilian products so you know when they come around sniffing for u.s. product especially get more cheaper than brazil that's that's going to boost us here so real difficulty will be you know nine dollars that'd be the target play, price for me and soybeans i think you know the weather here could give you some love um... you know beans beans have a much better carryover story than corn so I think there is some more upside here, but uh, it certainly comes down to what, just like anything else. And the challenges will arise here as things get hot and drier as, uh, as July goes on.
8: And is that the time frame to be looking at? Now that a little more moisture is entering into the picture. Is this going to move more into a July pollination stage type uh, weather rally if we see one?
9: I I think that's probably likely. Um, you know, we're to the 17th we're 2 weeks out now from first notice day so first notice day would, been, would be Monday June 20th and 29th that's going to coincide with the grain stocks and planning reports so that planted acres will get updated uh and then we'll follow with the July WASDE there about a week later on a Friday so over the next week you know i think it's going to be rather quiet and then things should pick up uh, i would imagine once we get closer to the end of next week the quarter. um but <sighs> Have to be bullish corn. The only reason why I'm bullish is everybody else is bearish and it's the time of the year where you can make some money on the upside. Twenty ten, twenty twelve saw the similar type of of the action when we traded sideways in the first part of July and then really took off on weather. We're in a similar structure where, you know, it hasn't been a really wet ju- June, but I don't think there's a whole lot of correlation from what I heard is from what I've seen to a ju- to a dry June followed by a wet July. It really is the July that it's gonna dictate. So Uh, we just kind of wait and see. Right now there's weather in the forecast, but that can change.
8: And again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. If you'd like to sign up for that daily newsletter, just visit DanielZagMarketing.com. There they do offer a free trial period for you to get started, kind of see what John puts out on a daily basis. He also includes a video with that where he walks through what he kind of sees going through the marketing day. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involves risk of loss. and may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Again, John Payne on the Rural Radio Network.
6: Thank you very much, Clay. Well, that'll wrap up today's midday program here on KRVN. If you missed anything or want to rehear any of the interviews, just listen to our midday podcast available at KRVN.com or online uh, or by subscribing on iTunes as well. Our midday podcast is sponsored by DaVinny Motors. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, it is KRVN News, which is brought to you by the NATA Group, Nebraska Aviation Trade Association.
1: Howdy, folks. This is Rick from DaVinny Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and the Cook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Davini deal.